Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. 
Yeah, I uh, Paul's pretty much covered a lot of it there, which is sound. It's usually me that doesn't stop talking. Uh, but uh, I think, like, uh, for me, um, like, Pizzi would have done an interview with me when I fought on Cage Contender back in, like, 20, 2010, maybe, something like that. Uh, that would have been the first time I met him. And, like, I've had a good relationship and with, with Niall since then. I think Niall was doing, like, talking brawls maybe a year or two after that. The boys are just kind of, they're, they're the front runners. Uh, they're front runners in Europe, really. And it, I think, like, for Pizzi, like, Pizzi's kind of carved out something out of nothing. You know, and if you're, like, he's the go from Ireland, as it were, in that industry. You know, no one's come close. So uh, I, I don't, as, as Paul said, and I don't think they'll have any issues moving forward. I think, like, you know, things are bad for everyone. And once, once they're back to normal, I think the boys will be snapped up and be doing really well again. Yeah, well said. I just I think it's 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 important to wish them the best in the future. Um, they've done super stuff for MMA. I, I know for a fact that I wouldn't be here doing this with you guys if it wasn't for them for the the help they give me and the contacts they give me over the years. So, um, I hope they oh, get back no, in the feet. I just thought about it. Their direct competition fucked them. I don't want them to do with them. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, who's that? Who's scumbags? Yeah, I hope they go under. Never want to hear about them again. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, speaking of MMA fighting, uh, Name and Gracie was. Having a having a moan that Rory Mc he, he never got the chance to fight Rory McDonald. Uh, he left Bellator and signed for PFL last year. Just on that point, guys. I mean, do you think Rory McDonald lived up to the hype, or was he weighed under, weighed up, weighed down by the BNGSP successor? Uh, do you think like um like do you mean just in Bellator or in general? Like in general, yeah. I think like. If you think of who he's fought, he beat like he's beat guys like Damian Maya and stuff like that. He's a like a fantastic fighter. I think, as he's done many times, I think Robbie Lawler may have stole a bit of the love from him <laughs> and a bit of his soul. Um, I think like starting that young too. Uh, I don't. Know, I, I had my first like fight at twenty five, so I wasn't young at all. Starting, I don't know what age Paul was for his first fight, but um, how, how old were you? I think I only threw. A bad punch down in Andy's for the first time when I was like 22, 23. Yeah. And uh, I didn't probably, I didn't go, go pro till I was about 25, 26, you know, but I had a stupid amateur point. So, so, like, you know, taking that trauma that he took from such a young age, like, like taking shots in the gym, taking shots. And then, like, he seemed to be one of those guys, well, he seemed, because I've gone back and watched all his fights just recently, had all my guys do the same. If you watch his early fights, he actually wasn't even uh, in Faraz's place. He was with a different group when he started in the UFC, and then he crossed over. I think he might have just lost a bit of himself there, you know. Um, but uh, I think I think Robbie Lawler took a little piece from him, and then I think the sport took a few more pieces. And I don't know if even I know he's gone to PFL. Some of the some of the stuff he said in interviews recently would make me feel like he doesn't really want to fight anymore. Yeah, it's mad looking at it. like he's he's only thirty. And he had yeah. those that that the second fight with Robbie Lawler was it was so good and so brutal and so bloody. I actually forgot there was a main event on after it. Yeah. And I trained with him over in uh, Troyster and he's uh he's such a nice guy. Um it, it's so technical as well. It was actually about two months after maybe six weeks after the Robbie Lawler fight. I had went over and I was doing a month training over there and um he still couldn't take any Bangs. I thought he was cutting spar, cutting there. Uh, I don't even think he was rolling then. I think he was literally just doing technique and hit pads in the gym. He was still, uh, his nose was still in a bad way from it. Um, to get on that point about um, being a success at the GSP, I think 
I think that's just not a silly thing to say. I, I hate the way people say it, as in, you know, oh, just because you're coming from that gym, you're coming from this, and you're out and you're Canadian, you know, you're gonna be you gotta be branded this in the same way as GSP. No, I think I think Rory's a completely different player, um, different mindset, different athletes. Um, so he just did his own thing, you know. I think like Chris was saying he's beat he's beat he was who of MMA, you know, and he he, he has a a win over the champ, well, the ex-champ Woodley, in Thailand yeah. as well, you know. Um, he did so it quite like, easy too. He did, Woodley, yeah. like, he made it look easy against Woodley, yeah. And, and he's a better pro world champ against uh, uh, Lima. And Lima yeah. is, in my opinion, he's probably top five in the world. I mean, I think he's a, a phenomenal fighter. And people just don't rate for whatever reason. Um, it's because he's in Bellator. It's ridiculous. Lima is an incredible fighter. Uh, look at what he did to uh, MVP. I know MVP yeah. was sort of outstriking him before that, but what he did just to finish that fight was a touch of class. You know, he had a foot sweep and then just came in and off and a hand Mary. Um, so Liam is right up there as well. But I think he's just making uh, his opinions, uh, his moves and choices on what's best for him. You know, he felt he wasn't getting the love over there at UFC with money. Um, I think that's where he went to Bellator. And then I think money is a fact they're going to PFL. People are going to downgrade your opponents just because they're in a different organization. But then you look at what Strike Force did when they went over to UFC. They had a, a, it wasn't an official thing, but Strike Force went against UFC um, unofficially uh, when they when they sort of when, when the UFC bought up Strike Force. It was nearly a Strike Force versus the UFC card, and Strike Force went like nine and one that night against the UFC. And then it turned out Luke Rockhold was the champ, Tyrone Woodley became the champ, you know, and these are strike force fighters. So just because you're not the UFC, people downgrade how good you are. You know, that's, that's just what my opinion. I just think he's doing what's best for himself at the minute. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how long he fights. Um, like, I was a bit shocked there when I saw that he's, he's still 30 years of age, considering everything he's been through. His first fight in the UFC must have been 19, then, was he? Yeah, really young. It was two, 2010, so 10 years ago, yeah. Yeah, 20. That's 10, that's 10 years uh, as a pro. Like, oh, yeah, I didn't turn pro to. Ten, no, 10 years in the UFC. Yeah, 10 years first, in the UFC, sorry, yeah, yeah. His first pro fight was 2005 against uh, Terry Yara. 10 years of pro fighting. I'm only pro since 2000, late 2011, um, so nine years of pro. Oh, my God. That's crazy. And anyway, but looking ahead to the fights, before we do that, I caught up with Chuck Mindenhall earlier on, and I wanted to get his take on the UFC's three events in, a, in the space of a week in Jacksonville and how he thought Everett went down. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting week, and I wasn't sure exactly what form it would take, and especially when it kicks off with essentially coming back from uh, you know being shut down in California and coming back, and the first kind of major news out of the fight week in Florida is the Jacare and two of his cornermen have tested positive for it. I thought that might be kind of a death blow for this for this whole event. I was wondering if it'd be shut down. But in complete honesty, man, because all of this stuff is like we're learning on the fly uh, how, how to deal with it. And I feel like the UFC is on the forefront of that, obviously holding this event. I felt like there was a little more leeway for them to figure it out. And they did to an extent. You know, they reacted to it. Um, there were still a lot of weird protocol issues throughout the week where you see, uh, you know, fighters and, of course, Dana White, Mr. Gung-Ho not wearing a mask and certain guys, you know, embracing during, um, you know, during, you know, multiple moments after fights, whatever. Joe Rogan in the very first event kind of going in there and conducting interviews and shaking people's hands. You see that sort of thing 
and it was almost like they had they were trying to slip into the new reality of the situation, but they hadn't quite done that yet. So, yes, they were able to pull it off. There were some weird things. There were some little red flags. Of course, the positive test for Jacare in his corner was a weird thing. I thought the events themselves kind of showed a blueprint. I could, You could almost feel the rest of the sports world kind of pulsating to get back in there and understand how the UFC was doing it. And I really think that people were ready to applaud it in the end um, just because they were able to kind of pull it off. Obviously, we don't know 100% because of the way the virus works if everybody checked out just fine um, in, the, in the long run. But it seems like they probably pulled it off as uh, the best they could through this event. And I felt like it was mostly a positive response. And it really helped, I think, that the fights themselves, those fight cards were really stacked and the fights delivered too. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was quite critical of them when they were pushing to get it done in mid-April. I thought it wasn't the time, it wasn't the right place. Everything was still up in the air. In the US, now, it's not for me to comment on medical affairs in America. It just didn't seem yeah. right. It just didn't seem right. Yeah. Whereas I think the fact that Disney pulled the plug and ESPN said, no, not this time. But when they got the go, we had to deal with the second run. It looks like that they really nailed it. They they came fully prepared. And, you know, I think that needs to be applauded that there is a blueprint there now. And even for other sports like boxing to return. Oh, yeah. And I think that uh, that's kind of what we're seeing, especially at The Athletic. You know, like uh, <laughs> I'm seeing like some of the these guys are kind of breaking news of fights coming up in the fall. I think that, um, you know, guys like Eddie Hearn and uh, some of the boxing promoters are watched it and started to see it as a realistic thing. You know, when somebody goes out and they, they break like a, uh, you know, a sprint speed and you see it and you think, wow, that's, that's hard, but at least there's a bar in place and you kind of understand that it can be broken. Like the record, it's the thing that you want to beat. In this case, I felt like it was, you know, the boxing, not just boxing, but other sports too, but boxing, particularly given uh, the similarity of setup and the uh, similarity of production could look at it and say like, okay, here's how we go about it. And I think that the realization is that it's probably going to be very inconvenient and very expensive, but doable. And uh, I think that boxing now, it's in their court to kind of figure out how to do what the UFC did with this kind of deeper pockets in some situations to kind of go through with this. Uh, in the television deal with ESPN and everything else, the obligations and <laughs> everything that goes down the uh, the uh, economical you know, uh, domino effect there. But if boxing can figure it out, I think that the blueprint is in place. It's just very, very inconvenient and very uh, expensive. You know what I mean? So I, I but I, I do think we're going to see it. It seems like they're chomping at the bit to get rolling on that end again. Yeah, and let's actually talk about some fights now. Um, I, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go straight to it. The Barbosa Ige fight. Uh, like robbery was shouted left, right, and center. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it was a robbery. It was a very, very close fight. Um, and it's one I'd like to see again. But if you go through it, I had Barbosa shading round one. Round two was up in the air. You could have given the nod because of the takedown at the very end to Barbosa. And then round three, I had Ige winning, and then the takedown confirmed it at the end for him. But robbery would be a bit of a stretch. <laughs> you know what, man? It's funny that you mentioned that word. I've made a tweet about this. I've never seen a group of people as the MMA media, you, me, all of us, like and, and fans, but especially the media, Take offense to such a word like robbery. We're guarded against it. We almost preempt it. Every time that word is brought up, you you see the you see media before it can even be brought up. They're like, hey, I'm tired of hearing about this robbery stuff. It's funny how much we're we have this aversion to the word robbery. But we have seen outcries over close fights for a long time. And obviously, if it's a close fight and it feels like a coin flip, it can't be a robbery either way. It can't be robbery on heads and it can't be robbery on tails. And I think that uh 
that's kind of the logic behind this and that fight. And there were a couple of fights, very close split decision fights. The Angela Hill one being another one with Claudia Gadelia. Like these were close fights. I felt like, honestly, either way they went, like it was probably a 29 28 because there was always one close round and one kind of clearer round. And, you know, for each fighter, um, the Ige fight was just like that. I, I had it personally for Barboza. I thought he would get the nod. Uh, it was very, very close. But given what you just mentioned, just broke it down perfectly. You know, like you kind of go back to that second round. And you think, well, I mean, Ige could have won that Brown. You know, you could have won that fight. He could have won the fight then. If he won that round, he probably won the fight. So to me, it wasn't a robbery. I just, uh, you know, it was, it was just a close decision that some people didn't want to agree with. That's always the thing, too. When you've got money attached to it, gambling, like the gambling that goes on, especially when it's the only show in town, you get a collective like uh, groan when their guy loses a close fight. I mean, that's kind of the way it is. Like gambling has its own libido in the sport. So it's like you catch a lot of that type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I don't know if it's big over in the States, but over here it's a, it's called an accumulator. And you, you might have, you know, <laughs> people do it in football already, five or six football results and they're giving out about a last minute penalty or in fights. Yes, I mean, I'd say there was a lot of people that had Barbosa to win that one on their accumulator, and then he loses a close thing, and there's okay, yeah, an underdog, and so a, a small underdog. So you know how it is. You're that close to winning, then you don't. And I think uh, Angela Hill was the exact same way. So there was like a groan. She thought she won, and I thought she actually might have won the fight, uh, but. I think a lot of that, like the dissension that you automatically hear is from the gamblers. That's the that's what I think happens, you know? Yeah. But even like just looking, I mean, well, it was a good fight. It was a great fight. I'd watch it again. I'd have absolutely no problems watching that fight again. Yeah, man. I mean, playing back, like I've, I'm always cool with, uh, you know, almost like woodwork fights that people aren't really talking about, but they are talking about them in retrospect. Like once you come out of it, they're looking back and they see it. And I'm like, that's the perfect time. If there's controversy to say, let's roll it back. It has a built in, um, you know, hype to it just from the first fight. So I'm always down if the UFC sees like a, a controversy for them to run back a fight like that. Yeah. And Ige, I think he's looking to do fight the Korean yeah. zombie next. He named, he named like uh, eight different guys, man. Like he's, <laughs> he's ready to fight the whole division. Yeah, I, I just think, yeah, and I mean, I just think that he should go just look and run that one back, you know? Yeah, I'd be, I think he'd probably be okay with that. But, I mean, I'd tell you what, because Dan Ige was on a bit of a streak, but people possibly weren't paying attention to him. Perfect fight for him. There were a lot of eyeballs on the fight. And then for it to have, like, a little bit of a, you know, talking point coming out of it, it only benefits him. So, no matter what, the guys he was calling out are above him in the food chain in terms of the rankings, but... If people want this fight, it's still good for him because now people are paying attention to Dan Ige. So uh, I feel like he's kind of in a no-lose situation with, with whatever they do next. Yeah. And just in terms of the main event and that night, it was uh, Overeem got himself back on track with a pretty comprehensive win over Walt Harris. And I kind of thought, well, maybe it's, it's easy sitting here in a chair after having uh, food, but it struck me that Harris's cardio wasn't great and he had to cut even to make it down to the heavyweight limit. Yeah, that's that's a good point, man. And I didn't I, I honestly because of the other backstory and narratives going on with that fight, obviously very profound stuff. You didn't really think about it from that side of it or it didn't it didn't come clear in the middle of it. But I will say that in ret like thinking back on it, I uh, I kind of saw that, too. I, I went back and rewatched it. It did seem like he kind of punched himself out um, in that initial onslaught where he just about put over him away in that first round. And then you could see it. Uh, as the second round kind of played out, like it became almost an even round, which seemed impossible. But once he got taken down, it was him surviving the rest of that round. I just thought that uh, 
I thought maybe he was getting his breath, but it didn't seem like he had it in the second round. So I think that that's a very fair um, question to ask of him is uh, if maybe that, you know, maybe he did, you know, kind of gas out midway through the first round of that fight, which is a terrifying thing when you're going against a guy like Overeem, man. So um, kudos to both guys, because I thought that Overeem, honestly, how do you even come back from that? Like, so there, there were some there were some crazy things going on in that fight, but I definitely agree. Harris didn't look right from that point on, from that midpoint, uh, the first round on. Yeah, and then I mean, Overeem now he kind of he's won three of his last four. He said he wants one more crack at a heavyweight run, which is fair enough. But uh, what are we looking at? JDS two or another bout at Rosenstruck? He kind of has to go to one of them, I think, if he wants to get uh, another contention shot. Yeah. I wonder if they would look at that uh the Rosenstrike fight again just given the the given the way it went down the first time, you know, 4 seconds left in a fight he's losing, he kind of rips, you know, a, a shot at the end and wins the fight. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Um he's such an inch uh, he, there are guys like him who end up in these very strange positions cuz they're in the twilight of their career. You're not sure if they're in contention or if they're gatekeepers or if they're uh you know, how much of a run they have in them, or are they just novelty with brand name shtick, you know, like that sort of thing. I feel like he's kind of all those things. It really kind of depends on, I guess, what he's after at this point and what the UFC wants him to be. And uh, maybe they work that out. But uh, honestly, man, I would be okay with the uh, what, you, what you mentioned there. I'd be okay with those types of fights. We've seen him get knocked out a few times, and, um, you know, the cumulative toll of that is hard to watch sometimes. So, you don't want to see him go in there against a buzzsaw and get like just keep getting beat up, but I feel like that's kind of the way the division is filled out. Um, so no matter what, it's going to be a little uncomfortable, a little triumph. It's going to be all those things for him. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if he gets through uh, Rosenstruck or D- JDS, fair yeah. enough, then he's, he's in position. That's two solid wins on the trot. And just going uh, to the midweek bouts, um, the Glover to share Anthony Smith. Uh, mm-hmm. I know a, a lot has been said about that already, and I suppose we kind of had to touch on it because we haven't heard from you since last week, but you know, how much of a badass is Anthony Smith when you're handing your teeth to the referee during the fight? <laughs> That's a badass right there. And how about just, I don't know if you saw that ESPN, like, uh, the, the soundbite where he's like, hey, it's just business. And he's like, hey, it is what it is, you know. It's so civil and so, like, it was like if me and you were drinking tea together having a conversation. It's it's amazing the calm these guys show under fire, uh, and especially guys like that, man. Like, he's, at this point, his orbital's already cracked, his nose is busted, like, you know what I mean? His teeth are coming out. You're just like this dude. You think about that from a from a non-fighter, like you know, and you're like, I don't know how anybody can put themselves through that or is willing to go that far through a fight. And uh, obviously, that's what kind of kicks up the controversy about how long the fight lasted and all that. But no questions about Anthony Smith, man, and his just kind of like him being really uh, every definition of a fighter. And Gover Teixeira, man, what a what an old goat the dude just keeps showing up. I keep thinking he he lives here in town where I live. Um, he's got his gym about a mile from where I live, and even the people around here, if I'm being honest, are like, nah, it, he's not going to be able to beat Anthony. But there was a lot of doubt going into this, but he just keeps proving everybody wrong, man. And uh, probably honestly, the best he's looked through this four fight run. I think this was the best he's looked. So he's getting stronger, which is which is a crazy thing to say. What would you like to see next for Glover then? Oh, man. Uh, you know, honestly, I, I, I think he now, I hate the term in the mix because it's such a Dana Whiteism, but I'm like, I think that he should be considered in a top five type fight. I just think that when you weren't able to do that, especially against Anthony Smith, I think it was kind of designed for Anthony to kind of catapult himself right back into the, 
the Jones sweepstakes into that realm. But you have all those guys that, you know, uh, you know, like guys like uh, Tiago Santos and, uh, you know, uh, Jan is up there. And you got like, so you got a lot of guys and they're all kind of waiting for their Jones fight. I'd say take one of those guys that are at the top and put him against Glover Teixeira because not everybody's going to get, and especially if Jones ends up fighting in Ganu, right? Like if they goes out of the division, obviously it changes, but one of those guys doesn't have his dance card filled, and I think that Glover should get one of those uh, top guys. Yeah, I think uh, Glover and Jan would be the way to go. Yeah, that would be actually, and that would be a, suddenly that becomes like this very kind of big stakes fight, and I think that the styles and kind of where they're at in their careers and all that stuff uh, would add some nice backstory to it. So I think that, that a fight like that would be the right call for sure, man. And just, you mentioned it there, the Jones and Ganu story, uh, won't go away, but nobody will confirm anything. Is it like, I mean, if Stipe fights Cormier, that leaves Ngannou free, so he's going to be sitting around. Is Jones, does Jones go up, have a crack at heavyweight? Does he relinquish light heavyweight? Does he stay up at heavyweight? And I suppose what I wanted to ask is like the UFC for years were very uh, conscious not to let uh, the top fighter um, move around until Connor came along. And you can kind of see for good reason, because unless Jones plans to go up and fight and then go back down to light heavyweight and defend and go up and fight maybe every four or five months, right? the best guys and the heaviest guys, he kind of has to relinquish. You know, you can't just jump in and fight Nganu and then, like, say Nganu loses. Does that Jones then go, he's the number one heavyweight title contender and then there's nobody <laughs> right. fighting at light heavyweight? So what's your take on the issue? Should Jones, if he goes up, relinquish his light heavyweight title? So... I feel like the guys who kind of stray out of the champions that stray out of their division and they go up uh, for a new challenge type thing. I feel like the first one is kind of the, you know, it's kind of the leeway you give that fighter to see if they want to go up and try it, you do it. I think they should retain their, their original title because you're, it's a wait and see type of situation. Um, so like say that John Jones goes up there and loses, he fights and gone and loses. He still has his belt. If he relinquishes his belt, he's kind of a no man's land. I feel like that's the insurance that he, you know, that to take the incentive, I guess, to take a fight against Ngannou, who's not the champion, is the fact that he can hold on to his belt. Now, it only becomes a question. They should make him address this immediately if he goes up and beats Ngannou. Then you say, okay, Jones, either you have to stay at heavyweight and relinquish your title so we can get that division moving again, or you're going back down. Which, uh, you know, obviously we know how fans and uh, media and everything jumps on uh, motor, you know, kind of momentum switches. And I think a lot of people would want him to stay at heavyweight at that point. Um, but I think that that's when you address it. We've seen other guys, the UFC has experimented. We were mentioning, I know off air, that Conor McGregor, you know, it's kind of the original guy who was, uh, you know, bouncing around and, uh, you know, winning titles in different divisions. And since, uh, since then, it's been very kind of complicated to figure out, like, uh, because they've had to strip him of titles and things like that. But I think that that's the way you got to be. If they're going out of division, let them have that one fight, but they have to make a pretty immediate decision after that to keep things rolling. I think that's the only fair way to do it. So that was Chuck Mindenhall there giving us his thoughts on John Jones possibly going up and challenging Francis Ngannou up in heavyweight. Uh, guys, what do you think? I think take my money. <laughs> I'm in. Sold. I want yeah. it. I need it. Yeah. I need okay. it. I didn't know I needed it till I saw it. Now I need it. I want it. That's because it came out of nowhere. Who called for Forrest Jones? He just went on Twitter on his page. Yeah, he said like he said something about like uh, I've you know we cleared out the division. Why not me and Ngannou? And I was like, holy shit! I never knew I wanted that, but I want it now. I yeah. want it. <laughs> I think yeah. just put that on any card. 
uh, you know, I was main event any card, and that's just going to do big, big, big. Oh. How do you see it going? So you know what? I think Jones is after getting up. Uh, I think he's after opening up as an underdog for, for whatever reason. Whoa! Uh, look, and Ganu has scary, scary power. When you take somebody with uh, somebody a bit slicker than him, technically, uh, Stipe outboxed him, outclassed him, head movement was just creating angles all to the point, and that's how we want that fight. I think Jones is just a better version than Ganu. He's got way more in his. Uh, in his, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Toolbox. Arsenal. Arsenal, that's the one, so. Um, yeah, he's just got a lot more there, you know. But, uh, yeah. I, but then, but then, there's just one shot. <laughs> You're snoring, you know. But then, how many, how many go, all right, I do get that as well, but how many guys is uh, Jones for? That could put you away with one, with one punch. I, mean, I think that was used a lot, though. How many guys has he actually fought that have stiffed people with one punch? Like, a lot of those guys land, then they follow in and finish the guy on the ground or whatever. True. And Ganu yeah. actually stiffs people with one punch. Like, like stiff. Remember what he did to Overeem? Stiff. Like, Everybody stiff. did those and stuff. Stiff. Like, <laughs> it... <laughs> uh, I just think, I think, I think they're the same height. I think they're six. Uh, six. Yeah. I, I, uh, both of them are 6'4", 6'5". Eh? Oh, sorry, yeah. So I don't think... Uh, and Ghani was usually the taller man. Uh, he, he won't have reach either. No, no way he has reach on Jones. Like. So well, that's what I'm saying. I think... Yeah, I, I think Jones... Will, I actually think Jones will have fun in that one. But, you know, I, th- I think he'll... I think Jones will outclass him. I think he'll take him down early or control him against the fence and then take over as the fight goes on. Uh, but, takes him down, it's done. But I'm going to watch it. Like... I'll stay I don't, for I don't I think he stays standing. I genuinely do think Jones... Yeah, well, he's that kind of cocky that he would. You know, in his head, he'd be like, I'll show him. Is it kind of ever an oblique kick? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Bang! You're going out. Oh, I, like, I, I do. I honestly think Jones wins it, but there's a little thing in the back of my head where I just see a big overhand right landing. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what. If, if, if Ngannou cleaned him out, like, I, see what you and Chuck were saying, uh, so I mean, if he gets cleaned out with a punch, can he go back down to the low heavyweight division yeah. and take on, you know, I don't think he'd want to do that himself, call himself the champ champ after getting wiped out a heavyweight. I think this is his move for heavyweight, really. Yeah, it's, it's, if he goes up, I think Machuk was right there. If he goes up, he kind of has to, uh, he's talking, if he wins, he has to make a decision. But if he, if he beats Ngannou, he surely has to stay up at heavyweight. If he beats Ngannou, they're going to give him the shot straight away at heavyweight. If, if, I, if I was him, and I beat Ngannou, I'd probably jump ship back down, if I'm being honest. Like, All right, so who, who's there at low heavyweight again for him? I know you've got Black, uh, Blatowicz and... Uh, Reyes and... Uh, and what's, what's the thing of the Force Reyes? Or the, yeah, the Force Reyes. I thought he won it. I thought it was very close. I thought he pressured forward the whole time. Uh, like, you know, we were talking about the scoring, weren't we, before on this, yeah. like... You know, and this was a, this came up again at the weekend. Lads were getting takedowns at the end of rounds and thinking they were winning rounds, and they weren't because I, I don't think there's been a round stolen from a takedown since the summer at nineteen. Yeah, <laughs> lads are still on it. Like lads are still on it. Like they're still thinking. I this, do. Yeah, you hear them um, coming in the corner. Steal the round. Steal the round. Yeah, and I said, yeah. you know, fellas, at the moment walking for four and a half minutes. Yeah. yeah. You're getting lit up and you jumped on a single leg, like, yeah. like with 30 seconds on the clock. But, um, yeah, like, 
I think I think he need like I think he'd need to get the win against Ngannou and go back to like heavy because I don't know there's a there's just so much trouble at heavyweight like because they all have that death touch. Yeah, you know. Do you think he beats Stipe? Because if, if say he goes to Ngannou, I know we're, I know we're doing a lot of variables here, but uh, yeah. if he beats Ngannou, get Stipe. Does he beat Stipe to take the heavyweight belt and become another champ champ? Does he? Does he beat DC at heavyweight even? You know, DC not cutting. You know what I mean? Like DC seems to struggle a lot to make weight. Like. And I've seen DC in person. Like, he's, he's not small. big. No, he's, he's like, fine. Boy, I think he's five ten, and he's like he's about my size. Yeah, I, I trained him a little bit. Yeah, in in San Jose, like, and I I was surprised at the size of the guy. Now he's thick, but like, oh yeah, he's a machine to go as well. Just I just think just Jones is athletic, isn't he? He's just yeah, he's amazing, super. And the thing is, you could see him if he goes to heavyweight, he'll probably be massive. He'd be huge yeah. when he walks in. I think what would he be about two thirty five? Yeah, I don't think he's like he's he's not massive right now. He has tiny legs, but you remember he got Jack there a while ago. Remember he got huge with his brothers lifting, so he could do that again. He looked like the Rock or something walking around. So I don't know. I'd be interested. I think like I just think that if he if like he could do what Anderson used to do. Remember Anderson used to tip up, batter someone, go back then. Yeah, you know, that kind of way, this kind of thing. So we'll see. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's one I want to see, and then I want to see what happens afterwards, I suppose, is the easiest way to say it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then, speaking of single legs and takedowns, uh, Barbosa Ike, how'd you score it? Straight off the bat. Paul? Didn't see it. Fails? <laughs> I, uh, I, think, I think it was so close that either decision was fine. That's the way. Like, it, do you know what I think? Uh, I don't know how Paul will feel about this. I, I'm, I've seen it more from... Maybe not from a fighter's perspective, but from coaching. I kind of feel like there should be more draws in MMA. And then I think it's less detrimental to fighters to have more draws. Because the loss is so bad. I did the I did the oak with uh I did Mark Goddard's course and he was he was saying he it's actually really hard to get um like you should be able to pick the winner of a round, you know, um if the winner like you're not gonna. There's a ten point must system unless a point gets taken away, so somebody has to ten point. So what way are you gonna do? He says it can be anything. He says if the round is that small, smallly uh, marginalised in terms of who's doing what, or the, the volume is so much that they're both going at it. He says you should be able to pick one thing. If two of them are killing each other for five round or five minutes of a round, you should be able to pick a ten nine winner. You know that's just what he was saying. I know it is hard when you're there on the day, but the judging criteria that they're doing is, but he, the way he was breaking it down to us was, uh, a lot of the judges now, well, should be doing, taking a note of a time, of a super, like, you know, if you're throwing a flurry of punches, I'm throwing a flurry of punches, a marking piece gets rolled down or whatever. But if something significant happens, like even if it's just something small, like, um, where it's about 10, 15 seconds in your favour, and, and it's that that needs to steal the round for somebody, so be it, you know what I mean? Is there an argument to be made, maybe, for the referees having a scorecard as well, and maybe a fourth judge cage side? So there'll be five cards. Is I that think, just? I think the, I think the refs have enough to be worrying about. Yeah, instead yeah. Of adding in an extra thing, right? I would have thought. Uh, which show? You know, we completely agree. Like we, I've refed as well before. 
last thing I'm doing is scarring. <laughs> if you had, I want to know if somebody grabbed the you remember, cake, some thing, you know. You remember you all cornered me at that show and made me have to ref Yui's fight. And I was like, shit myself walking in. And <laughs> you, you, I remember one of your fighters as well. I, I refed, it was actually one of our fighters. I think it was Adam Darby versus one of your lads down at Carroll. Oh, Carroll. And I, had to, scrap, I, I, yeah. I actually went in to Chris beforehand and said, you know, is it all right? He's from part of our gym against yours. Chris says, yeah, of course, you know. Do, do, yeah, do. I, know, I know you're not going to screw us over. Like, you know what I mean? That's like, what I, yeah. I, you know what I was saying? I'm saying, please, somebody just get the submission. Cause I yeah, don't, get a finish or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I mean, I, I get the fucking the, the hisses and the bills at the corner side. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I... They, 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 they accosted me in a corner, the whole of Team Rhino, and they were like, you can't fight unless you rest. There's no one else to do it. And I swear to God, I've never been shit myself so much. And he hit it. I think it was a flying arm bar in about 10 seconds. I was like, sound. Thank you. Thank you. Like, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think Chris is right. He's too much to be worrying about what we left to be worrying about what's on the scorecards. Um, which state uh, said they were going to start bringing in open scoring in between rounds? Ran into another curveball. <laughs> yeah, I'm only asking. I remember hearing this. I think. I remember hearing this. Can't remember who. Somebody said they were going to do open scoring, but I think it might have been the California. Was it California State Commission? Would it work? Or do, would I you? Would you like to uh, see your point? I'd hate it. Right. Hate it. Imagine you were too like. Imagine you were fighting a guy and he was two rounds up. He just try and stall you. Then he knows. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? I I, I, I won't be into anyway. I think your corner knows if you're winning or losing. Um, yeah. around, you know, they'll tell you if you need to go out and start trying to handle it or not, you know, I had to go. I'm not really big on the L decisions anyway. I don't really like fights going on the decision. I just, yeah. I, I'll be, I'm, like, I'm probably very similar to yourself. I'll be fight the whole fight and trying to finish. You know, kind of yeah. The rest will look after itself then, you know? Absolutely. I think, what's it, your man? Uh, best defense is. A good offense, so yeah, yeah. attacking once you're pressing forward, you know, and you're doing well. Um, the fight will look after itself. Speaking of fights looking after themselves, uh, Glover Teixeira and Anthony Smith, what were your thoughts on that one? Nasty, wasn't it? Yeah, it got a bit rough. It and rough. and I messed, uh, I messed up the call. I picked Smith, so so did I. So did I. Oh, did you? Did you? Yeah, yeah, we both. I did. You know, I just, I just thought you had a. Uh, Anthony's fight, but I just thought he was just going to do the business. I thought, I thought the sheriff looked a little bit uh, aged, we'll say, but my God, he put the pressure on you that night. He, he, um, I think Smith like started at a mad pace, didn't he? He was like, yeah, like, like throwing jabs like they were going out of fashion. He was non stop, like, and yeah, he looked like he's first first fight back after Jones, or did he fought who did he fight after that time? He did, no, I think he had one, did he? Oh, no, I think that might be his first fight back, yeah. On, so had, right that, you're on mute, you're on mute, you're on mute. He's looking it up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who's fought as the challenge for the... Gustafsson. When was that? That was, that was well over a year now, was it? No, I'd say it's about six months ago. That was Gustafsson's comeback. June, yeah. June, June 1st, 2019. Oh, Jesus, it's a year, yeah. Typically, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a year out, you know, people say ring rust isn't a thing. 100% it's a thing. I'm not yeah. saying he was rusty there that night, but it didn't look as usual, self. You know what I mean? 
that's who to take. That's who to take away from that. Has he changed teams again? Then. Yeah. I don't know. So like, I th- I thought he had a different team when he fought Jones. Um, just seemed like the uh, DC pointed out a few times, but it seemed like the corner were kind of a bit frantic. They were constantly talking, constantly talking to him, like, uh, like you know, on him to throw shots, like constant da 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 like this, and he um, he just seemed to be thrown like like early. He was thrown like big flurries, but like not when he had anyone hurt. Yeah, yeah, just trying to protect yeah. him. Like no one was really landing that clean. It was a bit mad. Uh, he took took a bat out. What what way do you see that there, Reds? Are like with the corner? Do you think they should have stopped it? Do you think the ref should have stopped it? Do you think someone should have stopped it? Um, yeah. If he's telling you that he's spitting his teeth out, which I know they don't like him fight teeth something all like that. Um, but no, yeah, Foyt is down and he's 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 you know it doesn't look like he's gonna win the thing. Oh no! Does it, and you you know yourself, Chris. If you're on the, if you're Smith, you don't want to be pulled out. Then. No, of course. So no. other people to make that call. Yeah, protect. Like, you have to protect them from himself. No, don't again, you? Yeah, yeah. Do it again. And I don't think you see enough of it um, in MMA. To be honest, you know, I think you see it a lot of boxing. You know, he's not walking out this round. No big deal. Fight over. Fight again. Yeah. Um, I think it's for whatever reason the MMA, um, they just it's frowned upon. <laughs> if you if you. It's the same as tapping from strikes. Just seems yeah. just it, yeah. If you're tapping from strikes, it means that the ref has left it go on more than a yeah. few clean shots to where you need to get to that point. Yeah. So that's the ref's fault if you're tapping from strikes. But they're like this it's one of those things that like people frown upon in the sport, like you know, lads yeah. like it's like he tapped from strikes, this kind of and that's that same thing, like you, no one's gonna go here. I'm out myself. No one's going to quit in a stool. It's just not. Yeah. It's just not a thing in there. Well, it's not a general thing in the sport. It's kind of. I've seen. I've seen it twice in MMA. Just for, No, sorry. I've seen it about five times. Um, a couple of fellas, two fellas I know in Irish MMA. Three fellas I know in Irish MMA. And uh, one or two lads um, that I would have known sort of around as well. They've done it, and they've never fought after that. I think so. If you, yeah. If you quit in a stool yourself, say so you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, like unless you're injured or and you really can't go back out or you know, but these fights weren't even that mar- that marginal. Really, I I, cor- I cornered a guy. I won't obviously not going to say any names, John, but I cornered a guy once and it happened a long time ago. And uh, like I was get- like he wasn't taking a bad beat or anything in the fight. Just it wasn't <laughs> it losing a little. Yeah, and he he obviously was full of confidence. Thought he was going to win easy. Wasn't going his way. And then was in the stool, and he was like, he started making things up, you know, the usual. And I was like, dude, if you do this, you're never going to be right again. Yeah. Telling you, you know, like, I just, let, just, just let him guillotine you. You'll feel better about it, I promise you. Just let him guillotine you or something. But, uh, yeah, I, I like, I'd like to think that I, if I'm in a Anthony Smith's corner, I'm stopping that fight there. I'd like to think I would. Like, I, don't, I obviously don't know till I'm in this situation. I've never stopped one of my fighters before, you know. No, I'd like to think I would. Like, ah, so look, you would. You, you, if he was getting that bad of hiding at the end, where that scenario, I think you'd just say to the ref, yeah, you know, call it. He, yeah. he, the refs, they could have heard you that uh, in that venue. Do you know? You know, so look, it is what it is. What do you think's next for for Smith? I mean, that's going to be a long layoff. I think he's got a medical suspension for at least ninety days, and I mean, that was a, it was kind of a brutal. Beaten. There was a, there was an awful lot of pace in there. That he didn't need to take, and it was it was hard to watch as well. Kind of like the the end of the Ferguson fight. I think it's just a case of uh, 
Like he's, he's had losses in his career before. He's had, he's had wins. Uh, I think it's just a case of going back to the drawing board. If that team, that it, if he did change teams and it's not working for him, maybe go back to your old team. You know, you're obviously doing good teams there. Just regroup and just, you know, get back, heal up and, and get back to it. And try not to take a, a substantial amount of time off if you're, if you're sort of healthy. And because, you know, the longer you're out of the, the, the ring, it's, it is harder to get back, especially coming off a bad loss like that, you know. And the only oh, reason yeah. I say that is, sorry again, Chris, is after, after you were there in Poland when I got my nose smashed there uh, two years ago, and for me that was, it was a it was a shitty break on, on my nose, you know, it's, it goes, I, I was winning the fight, um, and then I was hospitalised over there, but they had to deal with, uh, redeal the nose or whatever, and then when I came back, I couldn't take punches or anything, couldn't even grapple for like eight, nine weeks, and then it was... From, KS, from that fight in KSW to Bellator was nearly a year. And then after that fight, I'd, I'd won it. And that's when everybody seen me bawling my eyes out because it meant that much to me because, you know, it, it, it's it's a surreal moment that you get back here. Long layoff, big injury. So for him, for Smith, I would say heal up as quick as you can and just get back to the drawing board as quick yeah. as you can. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmakker. 
I think they were both swinging back and forth a little bit, and the ref stopped it mid combination or something like that, something along those lines. He was going mental afterwards. Simon, what do you think? Corey Anderson. Corey Anderson could be a show. Would OSP come back down to Louis Heavy? He might after Ben Rothwell. <laughs> yeah. It's coming you know. to fight up. Yeah, that'd be he'd be good up there. Why do why do you think he bounced? Why like what was his reason? Was it just the cutting or No, is he that big for Louis Heavyweight? I don't think. You don't think he was. He didn't look big a heavyweight either, like. I think I think maybe that was a fight. They the UFC just said here, do you want to fight a heavyweight? And he just jumped on it, you know, you know how these things come about. Or maybe Ben they couldn't get somebody match for Ben, they put the feelers out, you know, does anybody want to take this? The COVID and stuff going down and uh, maybe just jumped on it, maybe needed a few quid. I don't know. Well that could be a good fight. Him and Smith and OSP be a good scrap. Mm. Interesting. Both kind of like decent decent, well rounded guys could get a decent, you know, could be a good scrap. Would he go back down would he go back down the middle, would he? <clears throat> um he's about the same size as me, if I remember correctly. Just ask for him, is it? Yeah, yeah. He's he's decent, real nice guy. But he's he, I, like I rolled him a good bit now when he was over. He's, he's a good grappler, and he's good all around there. Like. Any of the other fights that kind of stuck out for you that you want to talk about? Uh, over like in, over Harris. Luca was saying to you earlier on. I went four for five in the accumulator picks at the weekend. Got Dan Edge. You were saying he was robbed by Barossa. Uh, I got Claudia Gadelli. I've seen a few people saying she was robbed by. Uh, uh, Angela Hill. Angela Hill. And uh, who else did I got? Matt or uh, Alice Rovery. Oh, I had over him. Um, and I can't remember the fourth boy. And Matt Brown let me down. It was the only fourth that let me down. So kind of rhymes as well, though, doesn't it? Matt Brown let me down. <laughs> meant that. What What happens with Matt Brown now? Then uh, I was, kinda, I was calling for it. if he won that fight, he fights Pettis like. I thought that would have been. I'm, I'm matching everyone with Pettis. Pettis does seem to get a lot of a lot of airtime on this show. <laughs> what What about Matt Brown for Gunny? Yes, but, but I, I genuinely don't think Matt Brown fights again. Do you not know? Well, he, he, that was him. That was his sort of comeback boy from retirement. He had retired there about two years ago, wasn't it? And it was his comeback boy. I think uh, the, the sport moves quick when you're not training at that level, or if you're not. Sort of on it consistently, uh, it just moves and the guys yeah. move, you know what I mean? So I just think, not that he's passed it, I just think if it, if it was in your head to retire at some stage, it's it, it, they're done, you know what I mean? What do you think of like Gunny and Cerrone or something like that as well? That'd be a good fight. Yeah, it was, it was hard to say that and he does want to get like, Cerrone fight anybody. Gunny's a good show for him. I think there's a lot of guys at Welterweight you can, um, you can, you can match him with. Um, like that, Pettis. Uh, well, he, he took the brakes off. Uh, yeah, uh, Diego Sanchez. So that's a no yeah, winner. No, maybe you're right. You probably that might be. He might just go. Do you know what? Fuck this. <laughs> Don't need this anymore in my life. Like. Yeah, you know right. How old is he? Thirty-five, thirty-six. Yeah, he's, he's in, thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. Oh. You know, if, if you're not beating the top, if you're not still not at the top tier of that. Yeah, is not the world champion? You know what's the point? Maybe needs it for the few quid. I don't know, but uh, he couldn't. He's had, he's, he's twenty two and seventeen. Surely he's a, he's a few quid put away at this stage. Uh, here, lads, I actually I've done it. I've done it. It's Matt Brown, Carlos Condit. 
and yes, I will. That's watch. a good fight. Yeah, it's a great, it's a cracker. When was Condit's last fight? He's about a year. He's at least a year since he fought. Simon. Simon, you need to get yourself a Siri in the background. Say, Siri, get my Browns record up there. Who's he fighting? <laughs> and then and then Neil Siri just sort of thought, should it be a kick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God. Get yourself a Siri. I, all I picture is just a little Neil Siri sitting in your gaff and you ask her questions and it shouts abuse at you. Condit's <laughs> on, on a five fight skid and his last fight was 2018 against Michael Chiesa. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, look, the two. Well, then I mean, it makes sense if the two of them are just in for a, a, a fight and the two of them get a check. Yeah. Then, then do it. You know what I mean? It's, the, it's, boys it's have, a fight everyone wanted back in the day. Yeah, it's a fight everyone wanted to see. Who was saying? Which one of these was saying that? Um, I was a mind of was saying it about Overeem. Like, where do you stand in terms of being a gatekeeper and, and going to a, a war contention? No, are you just there? Because your name is synonymous from being a, a good fighter. I think that's a good fight between the two of them, Conde and uh, you know, Great Show, Chris, yeah? Yeah. What, what do you think for Overeem then? What happens with him now? Um, Dan Rotwell, maybe? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Top two wins. What's yeah. Overeem in his last fight? I think he's four. Oh, I think he's won four of his last five. And what's Rothwell? I'd say Rothwell's around the same. I'd say he's at least three of his last five, anyway. Yeah. See, uh, ben hasn't been knocked out the way uh, Overeem no, has. Hasn't, no, no, he's never. He's... Now, Overeem has to be two losses in his last five because he got knocked out by Ngannou and knocked out by Rosenthal. So I think he's, he's three a... and two. Uh, Overeem is three and three in his last six. In his last, yeah. yeah. So what's in so the who, who's, who's the third one that bet? Sorry, Chris. Who's the third one that bet? Got Rosenthal and Ghani. Uh, uh, Bla- 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 Curtis Blades. Ah, oh, Curtis Blades. Oh, that's yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, and Ben Rothwell. So Overeem's only really on a two-fight win streak, then is he? He's, yeah, yeah. He's one and he's one and four, uh, two-fight win streak. Uh, ben Rothwell is on a two-fight win streak. OSP and Struve, but prior to that, he had a three fight skid against Dasanda, right. uh, Ivanov, and Arlovsky. Well, then that's that's a perfect fight. Overeem and Rothwell, make it. And, and it's good between the, uh, like you were saying, between Conde and Matt Brown, two old guys, two good guys, you know, um, they're not there to prove that. Rothwell, Overeem, around years, not there to prove that. Or if they're not going to, um, Get the build. It's a fun fight that everyone's gonna watch. Yeah. Two boys, you know, we, we watch it ten times out of ten. Yeah, yeah, they both have brand recognition, don't they? Really, hundred percent. Yeah. Perfect. Right. Well, that's we've sorted all the UFCs out for the next year and a half. I know that's grand. <laughs> speaking of one, speaking of one that looks like it's actually gonna go ahead is uh, Tyron Woodley against Gilbert Burns to main event on May thirtieth at the UFC Apex Complex. Now it's not hundred percent because Nevada haven't lifted their restrictions completely yet and hasn't got the go-ahead, but I think that's what the UFC are aiming for. Woodley. Oh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Woodley's going to get beat. Do you think so? What? How? Knockout? I don't know. Burns is just looking better and better each yeah, week. Yeah. He's, he's just on it. He's, he's on it. He's in that frame of mind 
he's competing in grappling, he's competing in MMA, he's just, he is on it constantly. Do you think, do you think like, there's no way he takes Woodley down, though, is there really? Well, maybe, that's, I don't know. I don't know. Um, his, his hands are bleeding doing them. I just, that's what I, I'm thinking, it's going to be on the feet, right? Because Woodley's not taking him down. <laughs> so No, uh, that's what yeah. I'm saying, you know, if, if Woodley takes you down, you're going to, well, not that you're going to get some people, but you've always got that danger because Bourne's is such a high-level grappler. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think this one... Do you know what? I think somebody might steal the takedown, not to win a round, but they'll get it maybe the second round. They'll go for it. You know, they'll their exchange. And somebody um, will go for it. Or it could be one of those um, stalemates that the two of them don't want get to get into it. He's too good on the ground. He's, you know, has knocked out. Yeah, I think, I think Burns, though, doesn't see... He just comes forward and swings a few bombs, yeah. and he's not too worried about being taken down. Because he knows he'll yeah, have the advantage. I think Woodley's just taken his foot off the lead accelerator for the last year or two, maybe. And uh, gone the rap career. The you know, rap career. Falling in and out of love again. <laughs> it's so bad, you know. But I think Burns does it on me. I just don't think Woodley's heart is in it anymore. Yeah, I'd probably agree with you. I'd be with you on the Burns thing. It's like, if you do up the variables of how he's going to win... Like Burns has so many, many more ways, and he's as good on the feet as Woodley. Like he hits as hard too. So, and the, and that guy can make lightweight. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's the scary thing of it. Uh, he can he can make. I think cuts like a lot of weight to make lightweight. It's not a small welter either. U- Usman took Woodley down a few times, right against the fence. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I go Burns that. Who are you going with, son? Oh, I'm impartial. I'm not going to pick anybody. <laughs> Burns. 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 Yes. I, I want to pick Burns, but I'm going to pick Woodley just so there's a bit of... Right? No, but now, now you're nah, understanding. Nah. Yeah. You're going to get out of jail free card now. No, no. Because then you say, oh, I want to pick Burns anyway. <laughs> I only picked it to, to make the thing happen. <laughs> and then if Woodley comes in, I was right all along. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my, my instincts were there the whole time. Yeah. Now, Elstray, uh, who do you think is going to win? Like, put your money uh, in. You have to put your gap on. I'm, I'm already now starting to drift towards Woodley because I've made up my mind on it now. Yeah, I think Woodley's going to knock him out. Oh, big, bold, bold statement. Yeah. Oh, Bourne's for the knocking. Let's do it. All right. So, Sorry, so, so you got uh, Are the uh, gaps uh, actually up here? <laughs> Bones with submission. When was the last time Woodley got submitted? Who? Woodley or Burns? Woodley. When was the last time he got submitted? Yeah, has he ever been submitted in MMA? And you were going with Bourne's submission. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's never been submitted in yeah. MMA. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have to take him down. Yeah, nobody uh, cares. Nobody cares about IT's So like, just move, why did, why did <laughs> move on. <laughs> Which part got edited out now? Huh? Let's go. Uh, look, I think, I think if Woodley does show up, I think it's going to be a cracker. I think if it's the Woodley that knocked out like Josh Koscheck, um, who did he? Yeah, yeah, just you know, an animal. That like that third on Woodley is an, an animal in the cage. Um, I just didn't see it on the Usman thing and. Uh, uh, you know, it, that was his last fight a year ago, well, over a year ago. And like I said, Bones is just on a compete everywhere at the minute. And I think that there's a lot to be said. For, for just Bur- Burns is on that, a rampage. Yeah. He's fun to watch as well. 
Do you think the second Stephen Thompson fight, or how he approached the second Stephen Thompson fight, changed Woodley's approach to Everton? I, 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 you know, I watched that fight and I can't really remember. I tell you, I, I would say that this seems to be very common among champions. Just seems to be. It's like a lot of, yeah. When guys are up there, Aldo used to do it. You know what I mean? Uh, John Jones does it. Uh, Woodley did it. Like, how many champions do you, like, how many guys are champions and, get, and getting finishes regularly? Very yeah, rare. He, he, even GSP, when he was at the top, he, he yeah, started yeah. in this rate, went down. It's very rare. Want, people just want to hold, like, they, they want to keep that. Um, like not only is it, it's, it's worth more money, um, I suppose that's, that's the only thing that it's, it's just, it's a prestige of, you know, being a world uh, champion. They just, they don't want to let it go. Obviously, it's understandable, but uh, like you're saying, GSP used to run through boys, and um, you now submit them, and then this last, I don't know, uh, 10 maybe fights, is all just decisions. Beat down, so like he was beating the guys over five rounds, smashing. And he could have, and possibly could have finished if he pushed, like, yeah. but didn't. Yeah. I mean, look, look at the fight against Dan Hardy. I don't know how that man supported much as he threw out. You know, that was that was insane. Um, but like, I think it's, I think it's that did he fin- he finished Bisbee, didn't he? Finished Bisbee, and he finished Sarah, and then everything else was a decision. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was that. I think that was that. That was always coming against Sarah. I don't yeah, think anybody needed that. Sarah, yeah. I needed that thing. Uh, the like, yeah, it just seems to be like Aldo used to be an absolute killer, and then he got the belt, and then it was five round decisions constantly, constantly, just five round decisions. He uh, a body shot against uh, uh, fought the other night. Who the fuck is that guy? Oh yeah, yeah Stevens. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a shot to yeah. the body that was. But like, he was going to, like, Aldo was going to fight, and this is no knock on this guy as a fighter, I don't, I don't mean it that way, but he's going to five round decisions with Mark Hominick and these kind of guys. He was yeah. ahead of those guys. He should have been, he could have easily been finishing them, but he's playing it safe. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. 
Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmakker.